0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 336 of the Stable Scoop radio show, Pizza Lusa's. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible.
0: Our sponsors this week are Dr. Rose's Remedies, EasySignsOnline.com, and listeners like you.
2: Bringing the news through hell, hot water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop.
1: Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Scoop. I'm Glenda Geek. And I'm Helena B., and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Howdy, Helena. Howdy, Glenn. How are
0: you up there hungry. in Rhode Island?
1: I'm hungry because well, we're going to be eating pizza Looses. I
0: know. We haven't had Kat from uh, Eat Your Tart on in a while. We got the holidays all messed up in there. And uh, so she's coming back with a recipe that she says will be good for Super Bowl parties. So mm. coming up here. And I realized just today that I'm going to be at Ada, the, the Ada trade show. For, it's over Super Bowl weekend. Who plans their trade show over Super Bowl weekend? Ada. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so I will be there in my hotel room watching uh, watching the Super Bowl. <coughs> uh, Jennifer was disappointed because we always have a Super Bowl party and uh, during the Super Bowl. And she said, I'll have to go over to Wayne's house and watch it by myself. So. She watches it for the commercial. She doesn't really watch the football. So.
1: I do, too. I, we just wait for the Clydesdales <laughs> exactly. to come up, and then, then I go about my business. <laughs> and, and you know,
0: nowadays, you don't even have to watch the, the actual uh, Super Bowl because... The commercials are all out ahead of time anyway on YouTube. I know. So you really don't even have to watch the Super Bowl anymore, although it's kind of fun seeing them come up for the first time during the game. There,
1: yeah. <laughs> there is. I remember one year I was, uh, I well, besides the, the Budweiser-Clydesdale spots, which are just amazing, um, I think it was in 2012, I literally had to pick my jaw up off the floor after H&M's uh, David Beckham commercial. If you haven't seen it, I'll post a link to the YouTube video. (laughs) But I hear that he's coming out with a new line of underwear.
0: Oh, and it's being debuted during the Super Bowl?
1: (laughs) I'm not sure. I think perhaps.
2: That's
0: funny. I think perhaps. Well, this show, too, uh, after Cat, we have coming on with us Julie Thorson. She's a board member of the Appaloosa Museum. And, of course, you have two Appies. So we're going to talk to them about the Appaloosa Museum out there in Idaho and what they all have. And we're going to learn a little bit more about about the horses that you own. Yes, sir. So we'll find out about that today. I did that just for you, by the way.
1: Thank so you. I saw Thanks. there was an
0: Appaloosa Museum and I said, I got to get that on.
1: I know. Well, I kind of want to go.
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, maybe in the summer. Idaho is probably pretty chilly this time of year. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't think it would be a good idea. Not for me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so anyway, let's get started. Let's head off to Cat from Eat Your Tart Out with her Recipe of the Month.
3: Yellow, yellow My favorite food is yellow It's very, very good My favorite food is yellow
0: I'll start with a taco Soft like a cloud I want mine crunchy I like to eat loud
2: It's been a while. It has been a very long time, but it's very glad to talk to you guys. I'm very glad.
0: (laughs) We we got all caught up in uh, the holidays there and uh, kept missing each other. And just everybody was busy. Plus, you were busy, I see, on Facebook with a certain something going on. Do you want to tell everybody?
2: Yeah. So I don't think it's public, public announcement yet, but we are definitely willing to share our big news. But um, Greg and I found out we are pregnant and expecting this June.
0: Congratulations. It's public now. <laughs> yes. <Yay!
1: it> <laughs> A summer baby. is coming along. Hey, this is going to be our second horse radio network team baby. Isn't it?
0: Uh yes, actually. Right? Yes, we that's had right, Jamie. Jamie's baby and now yeah.
1: cats. We got we're making we're making more horse people. Now, do you
0: know we're what it is babies. at this point <laughs> or are we holding out for what what uh what brand it is?
2: Oh, no. Greg wants to know like as soon as humanly possible. So we're supposed to find out right around Valentine's Day, and yet I'm trying to figure out how I want to announce it. Because there's so many cute little gender reveal things going on now, like cupcakes and that. But everybody's so in so many different places, so I'm trying to think of something creative to do. But I've got a few weeks to figure that out. <laughs>
0: Now, are you hoping for something? And is he hoping for something uh, in particular?
2: Overall, we both want a healthy baby. That's been our biggest like thing. We want 10 fingers, 10 toes, you know, the whole healthiness. But if Greg had his preference, he definitely wants a boy. Me, I'm scared of little boys because they just seem like little terrors. So I would much rather have a girl. But then again, you're going to get something of a complete mystery when they become a teenager. So either way... Baby's a baby,
0: so... Helena's <laughs> is getting to that age, the mystery age.
2: <laughs> mystery
0: age.
1: Uh, Where they start
0: changing in the Well, we're currently on an
1: upswing, so I'm, oh, I'm riding the high. Oh, yeah, I'm riding oh, the high right oh, now. Oh, good, good. I'm her biggest fan today. Oh, wow. so. oh today. <laughs> When's today. the
0: alien invade? The alien the invades part. her body tomorrow, right?
1: <laughs> I'll tell you something. I'll give you a piece of advice now, Kat, that Grace's preschool teacher shared with me when she was when she first went into this sort of school program she said a lot of kids will be great in the first six months of any given year but in the second half of their year they tend to get kind of ornery it's like this developmental funky thing their wires get crossed and zapped and they just it's it's really this their brains are doing a lot of growing and um And then as soon as they hit their birthday, and this has been true for Grace every single year, as soon as they get close to their birthday or hit their birthday, things just kind of mellow out for six months. And they're just, they're awesome.
0: Jeez, what do you buy her for for her birthday? (laughs) That must be something really good. (laughs) I know.
1: I know. Well, it is
2: funny you talk about that because one of my friends who just had a baby a few months ago was telling me that there's this one book you can get, and I'm looking up the name of it because I totally forgot about it, but... They basically walk you through and being like scientific people, I know you guys can appreciate this, is they basically walk you through the different developmental stages of the brain that go on in a baby. So Mm. a lot of times you'll be trying to console them and it doesn't work. Well, what's happening is there's development going on in the brain and it's offsetting everything you might have like, you know, figured out sleep schedules, teething, whatever it may be, but it's actually the brain growing and it's very uncomfortable for the baby So in a sense, she has said it's like been her peace of mind to know that, okay, baby's brain is growing, this is happening, whatever, and there's nothing I can do. I'm not a bad mom. There's just nothing I can do. And I thought that was pretty cool. So when you say that, I'm like, oh, that just solidifies kind of what we've been talking about
1: um, in this whole brain changing thing. Absolutely. Oh, I like it. Love science. I love us geeky science moms.
2: Yeah, I'm into a big one too, because especially because I'm going with the whole natural birthing process, and I am like reading like everything, and my ho- my husband is just thinking I'm absolutely on crack. So it's like I come home and I'm like, yeah, but these statistics and this, that, and the other thing, and he's just like, whatever you want, babe. As long as you are okay medically, I don't care. Whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. He's
0: (laughs) like, you know, people have been doing this for tens of thousands of years without science, and it worked just fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but you know, for you both, you're both science nerds. I mean, so you can appreciate knowing kind of the back end of things. And you know,
1: Glenn, because
0: the guy who never had a baby, by the way. You're uh, not
1: exactly (laughs) you something the minute you find out you're pregnant, you go into this like It's like the first time you bring your horses home, you know. You and, and I'll tell you, there is nothing like having horses to prepare you for being a mother. It's is the the two things are so parallel. It's crazy, but you the minute you find out you're pregnant, you go into this. I have a job to do mode, and that job can include reading every single scientific paper written on brain development or parenting, having a stack of books by your side, nesting until you drive your husband absolutely crazy, Uh, whatever it is, eating chocolate, (laughs) which was one of mine. You know, (laughs) you're just like, this is my job, and there's no fighting it. You just have to do it. You just have to let those books stack up by your bedside. You have to completely inundate your husband with. Random facts, that's your job now, and it's you'll love it. You'll love every single second digging into that geeky stuff. So enjoy.
2: Yes, no, it's definitely been wonderful, and I feel bad because it's been, you know, especially first trimester and everything. I haven't done a ton with the blog because I've for me to say this out loud has been scary, but I hate food, or I hated food, I should say. I had no, all I wanted was bagels. That's all I wanted. (laughs) Yours was bagels.
0: Were they dry or did you at least put cream cheese on them?
2: Oh, no, I would put butter on them. But that was like as far as I went, as far as like craziness goes. And I literally had to have my aunt send me dozens and dozens and dozens from Wegmans. (laughs) That's how bad it was. And that's all I was eating for like weeks. And it was so depressing to me. So it's like, how do you be a food blogger and talk about bagels? I'm like... This sucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know,
0: fortunately today, we're not doing bagels, are we? Because we're looking, Helene and I have been looking at this picture I put in the show notes for like the last half hour, and we're both starving. So,
1: (laughs) Well, Uh, I'll tell you, though, what we're going to talk about is probably a staple or was a staple for me when I was pregnant. Oh, really? Oh, (laughs) When Anything okay. bagels? No, bagels doesn't surprise me because in the first trimester and then a little bit after, I was all about the bread too. Yeah, it was grilled cheese, grilled cheese sandwiches, and tomato soup. So what we're going to talk about today is not a far cry from that. It's got something red and saucy and carby and cheesy.
2: Well, without further ado, today we are talking about pizza rolls. Pizza rolls, and Good, that's are, just
0: perfect for Super Bowl parties. Oh my gosh, yeah,
2: and like every pre-party, any party you want to just get ready for, or if you just want a late night snack to have in your freezer ready to go. These little guys are just your homemade version of those Tostinos pizza rolls. I was just going to say
0: that we're not just going buying Tostinos, right? No. And these
2: are totally made from scratch. They don't have any preservatives. They just taste so much better. And they're so easy to make. Now, Living in the South, I've had to get used to people frying things. It totally grosses me out, but then I'm like, I'm such a hypocrite because here I am. These pizza rolls, they do have to be fried. There's just nothing. You can't substitute a good fry. And it doesn't have to be long, but you can't substitute it. So essentially, all you're doing is you're getting these egg roll wrappers, which they sell in every supermarket. Uh, Usually, it's in the produce section or it's in the frozen food section, and they're oh, I don't know, the 10-inch by 10-inch or so flat sheets of wonton paper. And inside of it, you're rolling cheese and pepperoni. You're sealing it off with a little bit of water, just rolling it up so the edges all stick together, and then you're frying it. You don't fry it for very long, maybe about two to three minutes per roll, and you can put like four or five in at a time in your oil. I like peanut oil. Everybody's got their preferences on what they use. doesn't have to be a whole lot, just enough to cover them. You take them out, you let them drain. I always add a little bit of garlic salt because, again, garlic salt goes really well with pizza. And then if you want, you can let them cool down at this stage and pop them in the freezer and then just throw them in a hot oven when you want some pizza rolls, which is what I do, especially when I go away. They're kind of Greg's saving grace for dinner when I'm not around. He loves them. (laughs) Do they reheat well? Oh, they reheat amazing. And that's why it's fantastic for horse people because if you have a night where you've got maybe an hour, you can get a big batch done, freeze them, and then when you get home late one night or you're having people over, you're heading to a party, you literally just take them out, throw them in a 400-degree oven, and they're as good as new. You wouldn't know that you had made them previously.
0: these look really good, and they're so simple.
2: They're so simple, and they taste amazing, and then you just serve them up with your favorite pizza sauce. You can go crazy. You can put mushrooms. You usually have to, because it's such a fast fry, um, I put pepperoni inside because that's just a staple and everybody seems to like pepperoni and cheese, but you can put in like green peppers, uh, mushroom, ham. sausage, yeah. ham. You know, you can get really crazy with it, but there, there's not a whole lot to it. They're so easy to do.
1: That's it. I might try this. I might
2: try. Have you
0: tried them with other kinds of cheese or just the mozzarella?
2: I just like mozzarella, and I do have to say, I know this because there's so few ingredients. My one recommendation to anybody making these at home is use the whole milk mozzarella. It usually comes in a brick. Um, You can use string cheese absolutely. I just like the whole milk mozzarella. It has a much better flavor once it's fried up, whereas the low fat, it melts a lot easier. So sometimes if you didn't roll your roll really well, it'll ooze out and get into the oil and then it's not as good. And the taste, there's just nothing like a whole milk mozzarella. But you can use any other cheese. Um, I actually do these pizza rolls sometimes with brie and pecans. Oh my god,
1: did you just say brie and pecans?
2: I sure did. (laughs) And, it, and it's so so you can go very like fancy schmancy if you want, or you can just do the basics and do just whatever you want. But that's the beauty is, is once you get this down pat, you can put whatever you want inside of them. I'm just
0: looking at your comments on the blog. And Sarah says you should try the firecracker version. Basically, you make them the same way you fry them. But when you take them out, you, you shake them in hot sauce and dip them in blue cheese.
2: Yes yeah that's like the buffalo version of and it's funny yeah. because in buffalo you can buy these in bulk sections all over at the, like the butchers and stuff because these are a buffalo staple these go amazing with wings hence why they're like great super bowl food
0: huh. hmm. interesting yeah you could put anything you wanted peppers onions anything you wanted in there i now when i usually do that because they don't fry long if i do if i do like peppers or onions mm-hmm. i nuke the peppers or onions for in water for like Two, three minutes in the microwave. Yes. Because it softens them up a bit.
2: Yeah, and that yeah. will definitely help. And that's why I say just pre-cook things <clears throat> a little bit, especially like if you're gonna put sausage in there, definitely pre-cook the sausage. Um, you know, and my other recommendation I guess is if you're gonna put like with the brie and pecans, I I love serving it with like a blueberry compote. But I never put the blueberries inside because they usually explode. So it's easier just to serve that up as a sauce. Whereas maybe if you wanted to do uh, a Reuben, get your meat, get your cheese, your sauerkraut, put it all in, then dip it in your Thousand Island dressing. But don't put any sauces inside these egg rolls because you're just going to create a disaster. And usually it's like hot lava. Like if one explodes, it's not going to be fun for you. Have you, I always have
0: trouble, I don't know about you, Helena, but I always have trouble with egg roll wrappers, getting them off in one piece and then getting them all put together without tearing the things.
1: You Uh, assume I've attempted to make egg rolls. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Well, the one
2: recommendation I can say is like try and see kind of how fresh they are because that makes a big difference. It's kind of like filo dough. Where if it starts to get dried out, you're going to get those tears and things like that. And I know like the one grocery store I bought them from the one time, like they were ripping. I was having a hard time even rolling them without them tearing. Yet when I know like it's funny because around here, every single holiday, the egg roll wrappers you cannot find in our local Walmart. Because everybody buys them out for like crab rangoons or whatever else they're making. But they're, they're never there. So I know there's always a fresh supply coming in. But if I go to another grocery store and buy them, sometimes they're not as fresh. So that does make a difference. So if you can, try and buy them in the freezer section because they're great in the freezer section because they're not like old. Uh, Or just check the expiration date because that'll make a big difference.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I love it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. We were at, uh, I got to tell you, Kat, this is something you don't see too often. We, we, over the weekend, were at the Brooksville Civil War reenactment here in Florida, which is the largest Civil War reenactment in Florida. And they have like 1,500 reenactors and the horses and cannons, and the whole thing. But they also have fry breads which are something that they, sort of a version of what they used to make back then, Mm -hmm. which are basically doughy, and I I made an exception that day, uh, which are basically dough that they put all these different things inside, and you can get like 20 different versions of them. Uh, But I don't know what they do to them, but they are unbelievable. And for the first time, because this was my exception day, For the first time, I had deep-fried Oreos. Oh, yeah. (laughs) i got to tell you, I've never had deep-fried Oreos before. Jennifer and I have never had them. And for some reason, they were really good. Now, it could be because they use the same uh, stuff that they make uh, funnel cakes out of, the same batter. And they they put those over the Oreos. So it tastes like a funnel cake with chocolate stuff in the middle. Uh, It was really good. Yeah,
2: those I always used to get at Equine Affair every year. It was the one time a year where I would say, all right, I'll give in just this year. And you always got to make sure you split them so you don't feel as bad eating them. But they're so bad for you, but they're so, so So good. good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I call that? Things that are really bad for you that are so good. Called stress relief, that's right and that cancels out the bad for you part.
0: There you go. I like you, Helena. That's yeah. why we get along so well. Now we're both fat, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm fat. <laughs> Helena's not. No, you're, All right. not fat. you're not fat. You're not fat. <laughs> well, this is great. This is a great recipe. Where can people find it?
2: um At eatyourtartout.com
0: Eat your tart, and the tarts with an E at the end, T-A-R-T-E, eatyourtartout.com. They're just titled Pizza Rolls. Congratulations again, Kat, and
2: thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Super Bowl party's at your house, right? I'm actually going to be in New York City at that time, which is so bad. I'm, like, totally missing Super Bowl, which makes me very sad. But for everybody else out there, I know I'm going to make a big batch for my husband to take to his party and that kind of stuff. So you can still all enjoy
0: And we're gonna. I'm gonna be right down the street from you at, in Philadelphia, data for that Ooh, weekend. Oh, all right. So, uh, hitting up uh, a certain grocery store. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: I know which one. <laughs> and sometimes, if you look in their market cafe, sometimes they do have these pizza rolls there.
1: Oh, oh cool. Glenn. Oh, Glenn. <laughs>
0: all right. Thank you, Cat. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Hi. Happy mommying.
0: Cut right there. Good job.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Awesome.
0: Good job. All right, that is a simple one. I'm going to try those. Because I have the deep fryer now that I, I got the indoor butterball turkey fryer. Yeah. So you can, I have an official safe fryer now, you know, to fry things with. So I can, and, where you can control the temperature really well. Oh, cool.
2: Uh, and, yeah, I just uh, do so one with that. a cast iron or a la like just heavy, heavy skillet. Yeah. But you don't need a whole lot to do them, which makes, that's why I, I just love this recipe. I just do a huge batches, throw them in the freezer, and they're so easy and so good.
0: Cool. Well,
2: thank you, Kat. We
0: have to run Talk Appaloosas now.
2: All right. Have fun, guys. All right. Bye, we'll sweetheart. Bye.
0: Well, right after this commercial from our friends over at Dr. Rose's Remedies, the finest of topicals that you can find, uh, we are going to—we're going to we're gonna make Helena extremely happy today because we're going to be talking about Appaloosas with the people from the Appaloosa Museum. Her name is Julie Thorson, and she's a board member of the Appaloosa Museum, which is found in Moscow, Idaho. Moscow. There's a Moscow, Tennessee, too. Did you know that? Das. <laughs> I didn't know there were so many Moscow's in the United States, but we're <laughs> going to be right back after this. Dr. Rose's remedies, Skin Treatment Solve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT scooters, delicate white pasterns, free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier, or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's drrosesremedies.com. This week's EasySignsOnline.com spotlight product is their New England-style farm signs, their most popular line of signs. New England-style farm signs are very durable and designed for long-term outdoor use with no maintenance required. No wood to rot and no paint to peel. They will outlast the old style painted wood signs by many, many years. They are available in many sizes, shapes, and styles which makes them the perfect sign for any farm or business. Go online today and go through the EasySignsOnline.com easy step-by-step ordering process to see all the prices and options available. They also, offer free, no obligation sign proofs on all New England style signs. And you get free shipping as well on all New England style signs. So, replace your old worn out sign and make a great first impression with a new farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. And the holidays are right around the corner, so it's a terrific gift idea. I can't think of a better one. Visit
1: EasySignsOnline.com. welcome, Julie, to the Stable Scoop radio show. I can't wait to hear all about the Appaloosa Museum.
3: Thanks, and hi from Idaho.
1: Okay, first of all, I I gotta ask you, you know, we Yankees over here in New England, we're always complaining about the weather. What's it like where you are today?
3: It's in the low 40s, and it's Sunny with a light breeze, and it's very. We're having unusual weather this year for January. We don't have any snow, and have had no winter to speak of, and it's not usually the case, but it is this year.
0: Jeez, oh. Julie's in shorts and uh, short sleeve shirt. She's
1: yeah, 40s the heat wave. Almost. I'd be doing the stalls in my t-shirt. So, how was it? Um, well, first, let's talk about what the Appaloosa Museum is, what its its mission is, and how it came to be.
3: Okay. The Appaloosa Museum is basically, the best way to describe it is that it is the repository of the story of the Appaloosa horse, how it came to be, what its ancient history is, what its tie-in is to Native Americans and uh, to other uh, Indigenous people, how it's been used throughout trade, entertainment, uh, competition in ensuing years. It contains information about famous Appaloosas from the past, along with the people who owned and raised them. It has many artifacts that were directly owned by members of the Nispris tribe, and uh, many other things that are, you know, it would take me all day to describe them. So, you know how it is with a museum, you really have to see it to get it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the... And you want
3: to know how it came to be? You want to know how it came to be? <laughs>
1: I I have like a hundred things that I want to know, but yes. First, let's let's hear about how it got started.
3: Okay. The Appaloosa Horse Club, which is the International Breed Registry and Promotion Arm for the Appaloosa Breed, is in Moscow, Idaho. And in its early days, the man who was guiding it, George B. Hatley, was a man who was raised in the general Moscow, Palouse country area, and he had a big interest in old things and artifacts from the past. And so he had managed to collect many old cowboy, pioneer, homesteader, and Native American artifacts on his own. And the original Appaloosa Museum was a display wall in the front office lobby of an early building in which the Appaloosa Horse Club was housed. Then, in nineteen seventy four, when the Appaloosa Horse Club expanded and built its own building, a separate wing was created for the museum, and it has been expanded ever since then.
1: Okay, okay. And what is it about the Appaloosa that? Oh no, I mean that we can. That's a whole another show on its own. Uh, who comes to the museum? Who is it? Is it? Is it just Appaloosa fans? Is it people who know nothing about horses? Who? Who do you find walking into those doors and just like going, wow, this is so cool?
3: The museum is visited by everyone from local people who like to see what the local attractions are to tourists from all over the world who are specifically interested in history of the Appaloosa horse and the American West. Sometimes we see people who are already dedicated using Appaloosa owners and fans, and, of course, their interest was probably different than, you know, the exhibits they gravitate to are going to be different than, say, the family of tourists from Germany who are coming to America for the first time. But there's a a great variety of people who come to the museum. Um, One of the things that's always a big attraction during the summer and fall months is that we keep a live Appaloosa on the ground as a live exhibit, and uh, it has a a couple acres of pasture behind the actual museum itself, and then there is a grassy shaded picnic area between the museum and where the horse lives. So it becomes a popular local place just for people to come and enjoy being with the horse. It's open for picnicking. You can have birthday parties there, uh, celebrations in which we, you know, include the horse. So, um, it's a fun thing to do whether you're coming from a far distance or
1: whether it's local. That's awesome. Little... That's, wait a Can minute. You... I just got to go say go for one second yeah. what a great job for the horse. <laughs> what <do laughs> yeah, you do? what yeah. kind yeah. of crew do you have? You know, they're talking to each other and, oh, I'm a museum exhibit. <laughs> cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sorry, Glenn, go now, ahead. Well, I was just going to
0: ask about Moscow. You know, I was looking at a map and Moscow's kind of. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So uh, how, how did it end up there? And tell us a little bit about the town. Is it a big, horsey area?
3: It's an agricultural area. And how it ended up here is that in the 1940s, right after the World War II was over, the same man that I mentioned before, George B. Hatley, uh, Got involved in the Appaloosa, the Sledgling Appaloosa Horse Club, and because he was from Moscow, Idaho, the records ended up being sent here for him to work on. And he it was uh, initially he did much of the work on it as a graduate student project while he was attending the University of Idaho to to study agriculture.
0: And you're right at the edge of the National Forest. You're basically in a valley, you're right, a, kind of a farm valley between mountains and forest, and all. it must be beautiful.
3: It is a beautiful area. It's it's uh, rolling hills that are ringed by forested mountain areas. And the Palouse Country itself has a great to de- deal to do with how the Appaloosa got its name. Because when the or first settlers came here, they noticed that there were these spotted horses that lived in this area, and they would ask, well, what kind of horse is that? And people would say, it's a Palouse horse, meaning it comes from the Palouse. And then that became stretched out to a which later became Appaloosa, which is the name that we know it today.
0: I didn't know that.
3: So the region now, of the United States, known as the Palouse country, of which Moscow, Idaho is part, has a historic and long-term tie-in to the brief.
0: It looks like, when you look at the uh, when you look at it on the map, that your part... It kind of looks like a, a place you would make movies. Has there been movie-making done there?
3: Not so much right in this direct area, but there have been movies made not too far south from here. For instance... Um, in the early 1970s, Charles Bronson starred in a movie called Breakheart Pass. And, mm. uh, it, and the plot involved trains going over very uh, large, handmade wooden trestles, and all of those trestles are in an area that's near here.
0: it's huh. very interesting. Uh, so, so do you have Appaloosas yourself?
3: My family has had Appaloosas since the 1950s. So um, I can't remember a time when I wasn't involved with Appaloosa horses.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite thing about the breed? The
3: diversity, I think. Um, you know, they all, they all look different. They have many different colors, different color patterns. Some don't have color patterns. Um, so, they, they, you know, there's, there's a great opportunity for individuals to express themselves in this breed with the horse that they own. And I think that's a big part of their appeal. And a lot of people, including myself, are also very drawn to the Appaloosa's tie with Native Americans.
1: I, I love that. You know, you don't always hear a horses being appreciated for the history that they are a part of. And yet they are so much a part of. But people usually appreciate, um, you know, oh, they're, they have great personalities or temperaments or they're fancy or they're great movers or they're super athletic. Um what a fresh well, there are look! All at... things too. Yeah, no, it, it's true. It's true. But I, I think um, there's a broader picture sometimes that the horses fit into the fabric of the history of not only of our culture but of humanity, and that's a really important um, thing to remember because I think it drives, it motivates people to support the well-being of not just the breed, but of horses in general through land conservation, breed preservation, education programs. Um, We all appreciate our horses for their great personalities and characteristics. But this other perception of of how important they are to our lives, I think is really important in doing something.
3: Well, we try very hard to portray what you just described the Appaloosa Museum and Heritage Center, it's not just about the spotted horse, it's about its connection with mankind throughout as long as we've been able to trace its history.
1: Awesome. Interesting. Awesome. <laughs>
0: when, when I looked at the picture of the outside, it looks like something you would find, uh, the building itself kind of looks like some of the museums that are at the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, and, you know, it just kind of has that feel to it. And I had to look twice, and I was like, I don't remember that being at the Kentucky Horse Park. But uh, you're not. You're in Moscow. You know, I think, too, and, and Helena, when you first got Appaloosas, we had this conversation, that Appaloosas kind of have a, have gotten a bad rap. I don't know how that came about over the years. But for being headstrong and, you know, just some of the things that people believe about Appaloosas, and I I assume that's something you 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 have to overcome there a little bit for people who who do have uh, misconceptions about them.
3: Well, there is that that misconception, and there are misconceptions about other breeds too, such as you know, Arabians, right. Blighty, or thoroughbreds being uncontrollable, or Shetland ponies being mean and stubborn. So, um, and you know, all those are just I, generalizations as well. Right. So, right. No, I don't.
0: Now there are those. There are those in each of those breeds that do or, or do do accomplish those goals, but uh, they're not all of them.
1: No, yeah. not all of them. No. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. know. I, I think <laughs> I, I know a lot of ponies.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of Shetland ponies that uh, fit that description.
3: That's, <laughs> I have a hackney
0: pony that fits that description. <laughs> you know,
3: hundred, hundreds of thousands of Appaloosa owners since 1938 cannot be wrong. So.
0: There you go.
1: <laughs> no, I never there intended to have Appaloosas. The two horses that are on my property are completely coincidental. Um, I adore both of them and can appreciate their distinct personalities. They definitely come from different stocks, um, but, which is interesting. And they both have what looks like a similar coat pattern. But when I looked it up, they're not actually the same. One is they both look like they're varnish, um but only one of them looks like he's a true varnish which see this is where we get all geeky and i this is where i'm like i got to find out more about Appaloosas and coat patterns and genetics and i never do but um
3: it is a nice you know, little are, side there,
1: hobby to get into coat pattern
3: oh it, that that's that's uh can be all consuming in and of itself and you know you may have seen with your horse that has a varnish type pattern that it changes from season to season and year to year too
1: Yes, it does change. I both of them have gotten deeper in color over the winter. Much, much richer, deeper, more saturated colors. Um mm-hmm. But there but what I found interesting is that they do have very distinct personalities. And that I mean, but this is true with any horse. You have is it nature versus nurture? Um, I was always led to believe my the very first horse I ever fully leased that I was responsible for was a thoroughbred Appaloosa cross. And he was a big 17-hand bay he didn't have any spots and he very much looked like a bay thoroughbred um and he was a little opinionated now you know a lot of people attributed that to the appaloosa in him and of course i just kind of adopted that that belief and always had this misconception but now having two of my own and then meeting several other appaloosas i found that to be you know the farthest thing from the truth every horse is completely an individual um and you know, a product of the environment that we create for them, you know, there's baseline temperament, I guess. But it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't really seem to be a heck of a lot of consistency with the Appaloosas, ex- except for they're very diverse.
3: <laughs> True. Well, you know, keep in mind there've been um, there's been many strains of them and outcrossing into other breeds and things, so. Um, You know, but the bottom line is that there's an Appaloosa out there for every person, depending on what you want for a horse and how you want it to be trained and respond to you. So um, I always encourage people to give them a try because they're certainly worth it.
0: Well, very good. Well, we appreciate you being on with us. Now, we're going to hold you over, if you don't mind, because you're helping us out with the Tack and Habit segment here today in the show. Uh, But we want to remind everybody, it's appaloosamuseum.org is the website, appaloosamuseum.org. If you're ever out in the Idaho area, it definitely would be worth a look in Moscow, Idaho. And uh, it certainly is a beautiful part of the country. So we're going to be right back uh, with our Tack and Habit segment very shortly.
1: Sparkle and Boom is a new media marketing company. Our mission is to help small businesses add some sparkle to their marketing in order to get some boom in their bottom line. Our creativity, combined with an extensive background in the equestrian industry, makes us perfectly suited to help your business capture the potential of social media and the ever-changing worldwide web. Visit us online at www.sparkleandboom.com.
0: Well, our tack and habit segment is about Appaloosas today, and it involves the Appaloosa Museum. We have some fun stuff. If you're into Appaloosas or pretty horses, colored horses, or spotted horses at all, then you need to check out the Appaloosa uh, Museum gift shop, and it's available online at appaloosamuseum.org. You guys have more stuff than I even knew was available for Appaloosas. <laughs> it's a,
3: it's surprising, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of different stuff. Jewelry. Helena's been on here oogling since we started the show. Yeah. Um, so, I, know. I mean, you got jewelry, pottery, just all kinds of stuff.
3: Well, you know, the Appaloosa is an artist's dream, right? I mean, because they're, work, they're works of art themselves. So, it's, it's easier than you might think to find items that are Appaloosa dedicated. Some of the ones in the museum shop that I love are the toys that are made for children. Whether it's that's what. Stuffed, that's stuffed where Helena toy. stopped
0: there too. I did. I know. <laughs> I was like
3: I Appaloosa, want that. Appaloosa Briar horses. Uh, we have T-shirts and sweatshirts and other Appaloosa emblazoned items that go down all the way down to the little kid sizes. And I buy my grandchildren things from the Appaloosa Museum at, at every opportunity. Start them young.
0: <laughs> and you have posters, and every kid likes posters for their walls, right? You so. Bet. Uh, Oh, yeah, you got books. posters, yeah, all kinds of things on there. Coloring
1: books; those are fun. I always make the spots yeah. different colors. <laughs> Grace and I do rainbow spots. She's like, "Mom, that's totally wrong." I'm like, "So what? <laughs> make your brain, yeah, Appaloosa, Appaloosa."
3: The museum does a holiday open house every year, and in which Santa Claus comes riding over the hill on his Appaloosa, and all the children are allowed to sit on Santa's Appaloosa's back and have their picture taken. And then we have homemade sugar cookies in horse shapes for them, and they each get to frost and put spots on their Appaloosa with colored (laughs) sprinkles.
0: Oh, that's cool.
3: It? It's, it's like That's very cool. Favorite, it's one of the favorite holiday events in the community, and it leaves the biggest mess you ever saw if it's really worth
0: <laughs> it. <laughs> I was just looking, uh, talk about stereotypes. I was just looking in your museum into the books, and they have a book here, Helena, Delicious Potato Recipes from Idaho, uh... the potato capital of the U.S. <laughs> so they have a recipe book for potatoes. Is that what they grow in the valley there?
3: No, we grow mostly wheat here.
0: Oh, okay, cool. I
3: come from Southern Idaho.
0: Got it. All right. Well, this is uh, terrific. It is is AppaloosaMuseum.org. Click on the museum store. So if if you're into getting anything Appaloosa, then that's where you'll find it. Thank you so much for joining us again, Julie. We really appreciate you being here.
3: You bet. Thank you for having me.
0: Robin Donaghy here, and I'm an official HRN
2: Auditor. I love the programming that the Horse Radio Network offers and have chosen to support them through a monthly contribution. If you enjoy listening to any of the Horse Radio Network shows, won't you join us as a member of the HRN Auditor family?
0: You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the HRN Auditor banner, and don't forget, As an auditor, we get the blooper reel. Well, you can find out more about the Stable Scoop radio show at stablescoop.com. And, of course, all of our different shows at network.com. You can find Helena at...
1: Helena at sparkleandboom.com.
0: You can email us, helena at horseradionetwork.com or glenn at horseradionetwork.com. Uh, and you got an email this week from somebody asking advice about where to go in Rhode Island for horsey stuff. So I guess you're now the tourist ambassador of Rhode Island.
1: I know. I, gotta, I, 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 I I saw that, but I, <laughs> I just saw that. So I got to, like, hurry up and find out why uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't get off my own farm <laughs> very much. And you know, that's the problem. <laughs> it's a small state. There's only a couple of, there's only a few tax stores. There's one really good tax uh, consignment store in uh, Bristol. It's actually Bristol Warren. So I got to, maybe we'll do a little tax store date with a listener.
0: There you go. Yeah. That'll be terrific. Well, many thanks to our sponsors also. And
1: that's about it for this week. That was plenty. But there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping.